Hey, Cody, I'm so glad you were able to find Jason's podcast on Anchor. The sucky thing is I have not been able to find yours on Anchor. It really makes me sad, dude. I want to call into your show all the time, but for all the reasons you pointed out why you couldn't call into Jason, I can't call into your show, man. So I just want to say hopefully one of these days Anchor will get its shit together and stop telling me about Jesus saves instead of no save for you. Peace out. Welcome to No Safe For You, a podcast where I gather my thoughts about tabletop RPGs. My name's Cody. Enjoy the show. All right, we just heard from uh, Joe Richter with the Hindsight Podcast. He, uh, he had to send that audio file to Jason over at the Nerds RPG Variety Show. Um and he sent it to me so I could upload it to the podcast here. Um, yeah, Joe, I, uh, I, you know, your message when, when I got that and saw what you had to go through to get that message to me, that was enough. That was the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. So um, I had my people reach out to Anchor's people and um, they hashed it out and got back to me. Uh, from what I understand, it's a fairly technical process and I don't want to bore you guys with all the nitty gritty, uh, but... Uh, it should be fixed. So now, if you go into your Anchor application or on the the Anchor site, you should be able to just search "No Safe for You" um, and get you know get the podcast instead of learning about how Jesus will save you, um, which may or may not happen. So um, I certainly won't save you. <laughs> uh, today's show is just going to be responding to some call-ins I got from the last episode. Um, we're going to hear from we'll hear from Jason Connerly. I believe we'll hear from Carl Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents podcast. I think we'll hear from uh, Joe Salvador. Um, and I think he's going to call in about Conan, I think, uh, if I remember. I guess we'll get there when we get there. Um, a few other folks, I believe, uh, Rob C. down in the heap. So um, anyway... Um, we'll move on to the calls. I'll play a few and respond and we'll just go from there. And I've got a few topics I want to talk about at the end of the show. Um, so stick around through the calls or skip through them if that's your thing. Get to the topics um, at the end. Cody, I had to pause your latest episode, which I'm really enjoying after you responded to Rob's calls or you played Rob's calls because you mentioned how the Jackson's a deep cut to the Anchorite community and and, and, and then you said, you know, maybe Steve Jackson's a historian, which p- poor old Matt Jackson's probably rolling in his grave right now. Um, yeah. I actually have not read The Black Company. Um, I did read uh, Glenn Cook, uh, one of the, what's the guy's name, Garrett. He's like a fantasy private investigator. Um, the, I believe that's a Glenn Cook book. There's a whole series of those. I read the first one of those, but I haven't read a lot of Glenn Cook. I'll have to check out The Black Company and see how that is. Yeah, Jason, um, thanks for calling me out on the air, dude. Um, really appreciate that. I did uh, I did realize what I did after I recorded the episode, um, but at that point it was so late in the evening that I figured, you know, I've already stopped on... Uh, Matt Jackson there, so why not just 
stomp on them a little more by <laughs> publishing it anyway. So, uh, Matt, if you are listening, I don't know if you do. Uh, if not, sorry if you are listening. Really sorry, man. Um, but to get mixed up with the great Steve Jackson is not such a bad thing in my opinion. So, um, Jason's got a few more calls for us here, so we'll get to those. As far as games, yeah, I'm down with open table games. Actually, something I'd like to do, maybe I mentioned this, I should listen to your whole episode because I might mention this in um, the, the episode <laughs> I'm responding to. But, yeah, I think open table games make a lot of sense in today's world. It's hard to get people together for ongoing campaigns anyway. I'd like to see a campaign where you have a set adventuring party and then whoever shows up that night to play just picks one of those adventurers and plays them. You, you know, so, you know, Carl might play the wizard this week. Next week he might play the barbarian. I play the wizard. You know, but either way, the story moves forward. So you have to, you know, you, you set up the episodes so or the adventures, the, you know, each session. So it kind of makes sense. But whoever's there that night picks up one of the characters and the story goes forward. My good buddy Colin over the Spike Pit podcast is responsible for the charity thing. I initially I was giving away gift certificates to Drive Through RPG, and Colin said, "You know, instead of a gift certificate, maybe you could just give the money to a charity." And you know, I thought that was great. So after he called that in, I started offering the option to people you know, to give the money to a charity. And then I split it up where they'd get a gift certificate and I would donate an amount of money to charity. But yeah, that, that originates with Colin. To, you know, I, I can't take credit for that idea, but I'm very happy to put it into use. So Cody, as far as scale goes for miniature war games, the, yeah, 54 millimeter or 132 scales, I don't know, it's like two inches, two and a quarter inches tall, roughly for a human. Um, that's what the, you used to get in the packs of, uh, you know, soldiers, you get the dime or the dollar store, things like that. I don't know what size they sell nowadays, but you can definitely just go buy packs of them and you buy packs of Cowboys and Indians back in the day. I don't know if they even sell those anymore, but there, there's a thing in gaming. There are a number of rule sets out there that let you do what's called what you see is what you get or what you see is what you have. And basically, your gorilla with the samurai sword, you would just stat it up as a gorilla with samurai sword and go to town. And, and there are actually a lot of games out there now that, that let you do that. You just bring whatever figures you have and stat it up and go at it. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. That was Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Show. Variety Cast. Variety Cast, yeah. Um, sorry, Jason. Um, thanks for the calls, man. Really appreciate it. Um, I think, so we'll just work them through here in order. Um, open table games for me, it's just easier. It requires the least amount of setup, um, which means low effort on my end. Um, and they kind of generate these like episodic um, sessions, which I really find attractive when I'm gaming. Um, you know, I grew up watching a lot of cartoons when I was a kid. Um, and so those have like that kind of episodic nature and that's, I think what I'm chasing when I get with my games. So, um, I don't really want to run a game that has like a, I think an arc is okay, but like a, a through line of a story every session is not something I'm particularly interested in at the moment anyway. Um, that 
interest comes and goes, but most of the time it just goes. So, um, I think the set adventuring party is a cool idea. Um, you probably need some buy-in from the players uh, before you decided to do that, but um, I think it's an interesting idea. I'd definitely like to try it someday. Um, you'd also probably need to have like pretty robust session reports, just so when the different players come and pick up those characters, they knew what was going on in the, the last session. So, um, And yeah, your charity, I, I still think that's super awesome. Um, you know, giving away books, giving away money or gift cards and donating money to charity. It's just a nice thing. So, um, And yeah, I think it's cool that Spike Pit inspired you to do that. And um, I think within our little community, he has inspired a lot of people. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he was the first anchor show that I ever called into way back um many years ago and i'm you know him and like uh, hobbs with the random screed and all these other like first generation anchorites uh within our little community are the reason that i got into this i was like in the second wave of people starting podcasts so um yeah and colin is one of those inspirations so uh thanks colin um what was next? Oh, uh, the what you see is what you have games. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. Um, and just sitting here thinking about it and looking at like minis I have on my desk or whatever, I could you could probably pick up Chainmail and just pick up random minis and run it with that because you know Chainmail has like those uh, weapon versus unit type or weapon versus armor type tables, so you could find whatever's closest and just work it out that way. That's a really cool idea. Um, and yeah, your gorilla with the samurai sword—that's a a cool toy. There's—I was trying to remember the name of the toy store, so I had to go and look it up. But um, when I lived in Austin, I used to go to this toy store near Dragon Slayer on like West Anderson Lane. Um, it's called Terra Toys, and it's like um, a pretty eclectic mix of toys. But they have these a ton of these figures that are like four to six inches tall that are like that gorillas with samurai swords and like eagle guys and like knights in armor and horses and like all this like excellent you know i could if i had like 200 dollars, i could walk in there and buy like a variety of figures and come out and play um you know what you see is what you have war game or something with them that would be really awesome um and that does remind me i think last time i was at the Gary Con, they had a game like that upstairs in the wargaming room. Ray Otis, I think, played in that one, um, where it was like kaiju versus like um, Western cowboys versus like knights in armor versus like ninjas or something. So they had a bunch of these like different figures, and they were all kind of to scale, except obviously the kaiju were gigantic. But um, I think that was, I, I didn't play, so I don't actually know, but that might have been the what you see is what you have style game. Um, and yeah, I think it's fun. It just, it, it just allows you to get what you have to the table and get running. And you're not worrying about buying these expensive, like miniature packs for other, um, I mean, you guys know what games I'm talking about, right? The ones that are really expensive to get in in here. If you just had some toys laying around, you know, especially if you have kids, you got toys laying around, uh, or if you're like me, who spends your adult money on toys, yeah, you, you got some stuff laying around. So, uh, yeah, 
thanks uh thanks again for calling in jason um if you guys have any thoughts about what jason spoke about or if you think his charity is awesome or uh, if you have thoughts about open table games in general um let me know give us a call all right moving on hey cody hey man it's joe salvador um hey i heard that uh that carl had dropped my name and uh, i jumped over onto your show and, and had a listen um, and I have to apologize because I feel like your show kind of fell through the cracks for me. Um, at one point I switched from, from Stitcher to Spotify and I just feel like I lost track of certain shows, <clears throat> but no, it's great that, that you're still, um, podcasting and I'll, I'll certainly catch up. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm certainly not a, a Howard scholar as, you know, Carl said, but, um, I think you guys are both right. I mean, I mean obviously Conan succeeds to some extent in every in every story right and he does you know quote unquote win but it's almost always with a cost um i'm gonna call you back yeah so obviously conan is a really an extremely competent character he can do you know whatever howard needs him to do in the story right um but that doesn't mean that it's easy for him and that's what's important, I think. That's what makes Conan compelling. It's not that he's, you know, uh, a superhero, basically. I think it's that the way Howard writes, he makes it clear that Conan struggles um, just to survive. And there are countless stories where Conan, he might survive the story, quote, win, but he doesn't actually get the treasure. And in one case, you know, like Carl mentioned, Queen of the Black Coast, he loses the treasure and the lady, right? Like, like she, um, Belit dies, and he uses the the treasure that they found as her funeral pyre. So afterwards, Conan, he's bent on revenge and simply seeking to, you know, face the uh, the denizens of that lost city. I'm kind of trying to avoid spoilers, just in case people haven't read it. Um, and honestly, I feel like. He is fully expecting to die there with Billy. But that's not the only example of that. Um, in the story, The Servants of Bit Yakin, um, it's also known as the, the Jewels of Gwalor. Uh, you know, he loses the treasure, saves the girl, loses the treasure. Um, in Zuthal of the Dusk, I think that's also called The Slithering Shadow. Um, he, uh, he faces a, a demon, you know, out of the, the stars or whatever, um, and it literally, like, shreds him. Like, his skin is hanging off. Like, he never has a good time of the fights he gets in, even though he can, he can survive against countless humans. So, yeah, even, even though, you know, Conan is, is extremely capable and, and, you know, easily faces, you know, your, your normal humans, fo foes and whatnot, uh, it's, he very often experiences like a, a Pyrrhic victory, so to speak. Um, very often the stories don't have a happy ending, right? Uh, I mean, Queen of the Black Coast is probably the best example of that. Beyond the Black River is another one uh, that's, you know, I think it's one of the best stories um, of Conan. Um, yeah, so I don't know. There, there was a discussion over on Hindsightless recently about how Conan changes or doesn't change throughout his stories and you know I say he does simply because you know he ages throughout the different stories and uh, it, it, arguably the youngest Conan is is in the Tower of the Elephant 
and he just couldn't do what he does later as a king or a you know pirate leader. And I think I'm gonna have one more call for you here. Yeah, so Reaver, um, I know you said you're gonna look up some information, and there is some stuff on my blog about it, uh, but I'm really, really sporadic with my blogging, so you know some of that info on there is actually kind of outdated. Um, long story short is that last September uh, the quick start was ready to go and I decided to rewrite the combat system specifically and, and you know the action system kind of like broadly uh, so that now it is a more of a unified mechanic sort of game. Um, it's finally coalescing into something that I think is much more clear um, and, and usable. Uh, it's just taken a little bit, a little bit longer than expected, but I mean, it's all good. Um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna let you go. All the best. Uh, keep up the podcasting. You're doing a great job and I will talk to you soon. Take care. That was Joe Salvador, uh, of, yes, the Raven God himself, Joe Salvador, um, of Raven God games. Uh, thanks for those calls. Joe, I uh, I appreciate it, and um, yeah. So my show falling through the cracks is pretty easy because my show is very small, doesn't have a lot of episodes. I took a long break in between, so chances are when you transitioned, you're a podcatcher. I wasn't podcasting anyway. Um, I would not suggest going back and listening to my backlog. Um, nothing but cold ramblings from a, a neophyte over there. So uh, much like what you're going to get tonight, and you're probably going to get in future episodes so um you know no big deal um joe makes uh, talks about a lot of interesting things gives a lot of great examples um about conan and his development and how um i guess kind of just a quick analysis of his character right um i do want to touch on some things that joe brought up so conan often has success with the cost and I think that's um, excellent, excellent fodder for your games. That kind of cost-benefit analysis is um, what I find key to having compelling D&D sessions, um, you know, it, it, determining if the risk is worth it. Um, and oftentimes, I find that when I'm playing, um, I tend to make the wrong decision and go for risks that either sometimes aren't worth it, um, which, you know ends up with me losing out on treasure or having characters die or friends die um friends of my characters die rather not my friends die that would be terrible but um just like conan right so um i think for me that's kind of the key to getting like exciting DD. right it's not always winning but approaching things that are going to have a cost and you know kind of struggling with that so um another thing you mentioned was the funeral that uh, they held for Belit and using the treasure um, as a funeral pyre. And that's something I directly ripped from Conan for my uh, BX games was um, if a character dies and you get them back to town, you can have a funeral. Um, mine's a little different in that you're not giving up treasure, but you're spending, I guess you are, you're spending, um, You can. it's like you can buy their XP basically on a one-for-one one basis, so one XP for one gold. So you're, you're spending this treasure that you accrued um, in that session to have, like, proper remembrances for the, the Fallen. So um, that's something that directly inspired from the Conan himself. So 
Um, and yeah, it's not always a happy ending with Conan. Um, and there was a uh, a nice discussion on Hindsight List recently about Conan's development um, that Joe mentioned. So you guys go listen to Hindsight List. Hindsight List is a great podcast. That's uh, Joe Richter, who, um, who was at the top of the show there, um, calling in. So um, a tangent about Joe Richter, that dude is freaking energetic. And it's very contagious. I love um, any, especially, he calls in a lot to the Nerds RPG Variety cast, which I listen to pretty often. And his, uh, anytime he comes on the mic, I just get a big kick of energy. So uh, he's like a little bit of my like audio coffee right, in, right into my ear holes. So um, yeah. Um, and then Reaver, yes, uh, Joe, thanks for, uh, man, I'm talking about two separate Joes, so Joe Salvador, thank you for mentioning Reaver. Um, I'll have a link to your blog, um, if you guys go to the Raven God Games Blogspot blog, there's a, a lot of, like, session recaps he does, um, he's very open about his Reaver game, um, he's got some information up there, I'll put a link to all that in the show notes, you guys can check it out. Um... Oh, pardon me. I have a tendency to report record podcasts at the end of the day, which is probably a bad idea because I tend to yawn a lot. It's uh, like 9 p.m. where I'm at right now, so I'm getting pretty sleepy. Um, I think maybe I'll try, maybe in the future, to uh, record them during the day. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Joe, thanks for calling in, bud. Uh, we'll have a link to your stuff in the uh, in the show notes. Appreciate it. Right, Cody, good to hear you back on the air. A uh, bit of a belated welcome back, sorry about that. And I'll, I'm going to take my hat off to you for your endurance, getting through those call-ins and banging out that last episode. That was a, a mammoth, a mammoth uh, display of endurance. Oh, and tell you what, talking of endurance and health and stuff like that, I noticed you uh, see I'd posted on the Discord that I've, I've been trying to lose some weight. I've, I've got off just over a couple of stone now, seeming to average a couple of pounds a week. I'd like to get down to a 168 pounds, down from 213. Uh, so 168's my target. I'll keep you posted, and I'll be, I'll be keen to hear how you get on yourself. Uh, so, yeah, once again, good to hear you're back. Take care, mate, and I'll catch you later. Well, there he is, folks. That was uh, Colin Green. We talked about him earlier, so uh, thanks, Colin, for the call, dude. I, uh, I always appreciate hearing from you. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I, you've been posting on the, the Discord, that's the, the Audio Dungeon Discord, about your uh, recent weight loss successes, and I'm real happy for you, man. That's uh, super exciting. A couple pounds a week, you know, especially at where you're at right now, is excellent. You keep that going, and you'll be down at your goal in uh, no time. And yeah, I think 168 for you is probably a pretty good weight. Um, you know, you could put on, if you started doing some weightlifting and adjusting your eating, you could put on a little bit of extra muscle just to kind of help, you know, it's not with, with, with that kind of stuff. It's not about aesthetics, right? Right. It's about putting on the muscle to help protect your body in the case of an accident. Um, and you know, we're all getting, getting up there in age, right? Um, and I'm not caught, not trying to call you old or anything. Call it, wow, this call is going, uh. It's taking a direction I didn't intend for it to take, but anyway, but good, good, uh, good job with the weight loss there, man. Keep it up. 
I'm very happy for you. And yeah, we will talk about my stuff at the end of the show today. The very last thing we'll talk about is uh, how it's been going with me. So we're going to get into the details and nitty gritty with all the numbers and all that, my goals and all that stuff. So anyway, Colin, thanks for the call, dude. And uh, I will catch you later. Hey, Cody, just responding to a couple of your questions that you asked of me after all those messages that I sent to you. And um, so Warhammer Fantasy, you are correct. It is percentile dice. You roll under. They have a number of stats, uh, the typical stats that you would think, like, you know, toughness and agility, um, willpower. But they also have, like, weapon skill and ballistic skill as a stat and um that makes it interesting i believe there's also a bunch of other skills and you just add to the attribute that the skill is linked to for example coolness is linked to willpower like you know how you handle fear or stay cool um so uh, yeah it's a it's a good system actually i really like it and i have some other things to say the edition I'm playing is the fourth edition of the game, and both the first and the second are also percentile dice-based, and people remember the first fondly being very grimdark and tough as hell to play. And the third edition used kind of the predecessor to the Fantasy Flight game's Genesis system. It was done by Fantasy Flight, um, and it had like a lot of fiddly bits and board game ideas and tracking, although I did run a campaign in that uh, the the four, that was actually written for the second edition of the game, but I ran it in third edition and it went really well. So um, it does have meta currency, uh, fate and fortune, resolve and resilience that help you fight condition or reroll dice, fight conditions uh, that might be subjected to you by uh, the game. Um, but we really have enjoyed it. It takes place in uh, Games Workshop's old world, and there's a lot of fondness for that grim and gritty. Uh, pathetic aesthetic here it is hey Cody yeah so funny story we uh my wife and I went out and I guess we left one of the cats in the back and maybe you can hear him purring I let him out he was meowing uh, he, he might have caught some of it in the previous uh recording anyway so jackals is also percentile dice I think he uses like mythic quest or some sort of light uh, percentile dice system kind of based on mythic mithras and rune quest and it takes place in sort of the near east so you have orthologs of like the hebrew people um it's near east bronze age actually so uh hebrew people uh, egyptians uh, like arab tribes um, and hellenistic people um and that we really enjoy it and what's cool is it has this clash system of combat that makes combat very dynamic and you're able to be pretty heroic in it. So that's kind of what, what is the appeal. And everything is skill-based. Even magic, like casting rituals, is, is skill-based. And another word about the clash system. So there is a lot of derived stats. So it is definitely a, a little fiddly. Um, and you have to kind of derive all these stats. You derive these clash points. They're based on your attributes. And what they allow you to do is, for example, get another attack, um, add damage to your roll, um, defend when creatures are attacking you. If a creature is withdrawing or fleeing, you could get an attack of opportunity. Um, so we really enjoy the system, like I said. And I think 
What I also like is the there's this like downtime system that's like a, a season in between seasons or kind of system akin to Pendragon where you do stuff, you know, and make the years kind of pass by, which I, th I think is also pretty neat as well. Like downtime. That's uh, Carl Rodriguez of the uh, Geomologist Presents podcast. Thanks for the calls, Carl. Uh, always good to hear from you, bud. Um, yeah, so Warhammer. Um, I've never played it. I would like to try it out someday. We did play... Um, there was this Warhammer rules light game called Warlock. I'll have a link to it. I mean, get it on drive through for just a couple bucks. Um, I'll put a link, but yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, so it's that same kind of like, I don't know. I don't like the word grim dark, but it's definitely grim and it was gritty. Um, and it definitely had the pathetic aesthetic, but, um, if you could kind of get past that first little hump you had a little bit more survivability um so yeah i don't know i would definitely like to try it you mentioned fourth i guess first the fourth edition i don't know how many editions of the game you are but um which one is your favorite um and then tell us why um if anyone else has played warhammer before tell me what your favorite edition is and why and um uh, why i should play it also how where where do you get it and how much does it cost about um I guess, you know, I'll look that up after the show. But, um, yeah, I would like to try it out. I don't know if they have any kind of, like, active communities anywhere on um, on the Reddits or uh, Discord or what have you. But, um, yeah, if anyone knows anything about it, let me know, and I will check it out. Um, and, yeah, we definitely got your purring cats there on your uh, – that was, like, your third call-in, I think. Um, but that's fine. Uh, you know, animals are totally welcome on this show. So um, I don't mind the purring cats. Um, and yeah, Jackal sounds awesome, dude. Heroic heroic action and like the Near East Bronze Age is right up my alley. Uh, so I'm definitely looking into that. Um, I'll have a link to, the, to that game in the show notes as well. Um, and yeah, I don't mind like derived stats and clunky games uh, or clunky mechanisms within a game like that are for me it's at least a little bit of charm for the game um there's a fine line between like charming and annoying with me but um for the most part most of the games i play have some kind of jank to them right and to me the jank is what makes it uh charming so um and yeah the seasonal downtime stuff is cool um it's something I want to try and explore with the Wasted Lands game. I don't know how I would do it, but I think um, having characters age in between adventuring seasons is pretty cool and how they can change and how you want to spend your downtime. Um, there's often that trope of, uh, you know, like your characters are farmers or, you know, they have some kind of life before they were adventurers, right? So um, I think going back and, and having to deal with those roots before you were became an adventurer would be something interesting to explore within the the fiction of the game so uh, thanks for getting back to me on that carl i will um i'll have some links to the games uh, in the show notes and to carl's show of course um and if anyone else has played jackals or warhammer give us a call let us know what do you like about it what don't you like about it do you think clunky is charming or do you think it's just annoying um yeah let me know
Hey Cody, it's Joe again. Hey man, I just finished your podcast last night on my drive home. I had like, I don't know, 20 minutes left or so. And um, I wanted to give you another call about Star Wars miniatures because I think it's interesting that that's one of the, the earlier games it sounded like for you. Um, but I I played the hell out of the game. I loved it. Um, I still have my collection. And back then I, I was doing like mods and painting figures and everything else. Um, but I actually also played it online via the Vassal engine, which I think is still, I think it's all still operational. Um, but yeah, what a great game, man. It was built on D20, like third edition D&D. Um, just so much simplified and straightforward. It was just, it just ran smoothly. It was really easy to learn. I mean, what a great game to call out, dude. Um, yeah, I'm going to call you back. Yeah, and that's, that's the sort of miniatures war game that I prefer. Sort of like the skirmish level. <clears throat> and, you know, like Jason likes to say, like kind of beer and pretzels, right? Just like not overly complicated and, you know, just just fun, man. Um, I like having like the individual cards for the, the different miniatures. Um, yeah, it just makes everything like really intuitive. Uh, I'd really like to try some of the Osprey games, they're, they're a little like, um, is it Dragon Dragon Rampant? Um, I know Colin talks about those a little bit. Uh, but anyway, I haven't gotten those to the table. I'd really like to try them. I'd probably end up running those solo anyway. But yeah, man, great game to call out. I, DDM was similar, but um, I think it leaned a little bit more on fourth edition rules. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was also really smooth. All right. Um, very cool, man. I'll talk to you. All right, Joe Salvador there, sneaking in some extra calls uh, in between uh, when I was making the last recording. So, yeah, Joe, man, what a game. Uh, and definitely, yeah, so Star Wars Miniatures was like the precursor to RPGs for me. So I was in Boy Scouts as a kid um, and on one of the camping um, sessions, you know, every month we would go camping at the end of the month as a troop and it didn't matter like the weather we would always go we'd pick a spot everyone had to vote anyway um we'd set up camp and i was out hiking for the day and exploring the woods and getting into trouble with uh adults um and so i came back to camp and had to do some chores um as a penance for my quote crime and um there were these kids other kids in a tent and i just kept hearing so i was outside the tent like running around the camp and cleaning up and i don't know having to work on a bunch of junk and these kids kept laughing and they were hooping and hollering and just having a great time inside the tent i was like what's going on in there and after a while they um they invited me to come into the tent and play this game and it was the star wars d20 rpg that came out just after third edition and i never played a role-playing game before in my life um never heard of it didn't understand anything that was happening but they sat me down handed me a piece of care piece of paper and said this is my character and it was a wookie and i was like oh like chewbacca perfect and they're like yeah this is star wars i was like great so we played this uh this session in the tent and i don't know we were up till it started to get light outside. Uh, so we were up till, I don't know, five or six in the morning playing this game. And I, I had no idea what was happening. I didn't have any dice to roll. 
Um, but all I knew is that I was having a good time. These guys in the tent were having a good time. And yeah, and it was Star Wars, right? And at that time, I was like super into Star Wars. I guess I still am, but um, especially at that age, right? And I was like nine or something like that, maybe 10. Yeah, I was like between nine and 10 uh, years old. So super duper into Star Wars and uh, having a great time. So anyway, fast forward a few months to Christmas time. That same year, my uh, uncle comes around with all my cousins and his wife, so my aunt. Um, they come around and they bring and they bring all the presents and all the gifts, and we have great Christmas with the family. But one of my gifts from my uncle was a uh, little thin cardboard box with Star Wars on the front, and it said Star Wars miniatures, and it had uh, it was like a booster pack or like a starter pack, so it had a bunch of minis inside, it had a couple fold-out maps. And at the bottom had two of those stupid orange D20 dice. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, maybe those dice are part of the charming uh, aspect of the game that I mentioned uh, at, with Carl's calls there. But yeah, so the uh, the Star Wars minis game, we played the crap at it. We played all that whole time. My cousins were there and then they would come back every couple of months to visit. You know, they lived a few hours away from us at the time so they would come back and visit every couple months or you know once a year or whatever and i'd always be growing my collection anytime i had some money i'd go to the the hobby shop and get some star wars minis and they had all the sets and it was a really well-developed game um as far as like a releasing product um i don't know when they stopped 2010 probably somewhere around there is when the last set came out but um i still have all my minis i got all the cards and um i have um, all of the maps and all of that stuff. And yeah, like you, I started modding the minis, right? You cut them up and you glue them back together. You add other bits and bobs and make your own stats and all that stuff. So that's fun. And those cards are great, man. They had the, like a, one side had all the stats on it. And the other side had like a large image of whatever that miniature was based off of. And at that time, I was really into drawing, and so I'd take these cards, and like they would help me get better at drawing, right? Because they had all these crazy details, and plus it was Star Wars, so if I was drawing Star Wars, it was awesome, right? So, yeah, uh, great callback. I, I love that game. Um, and I was, you know, you mentioned playing it online, and I think that would be pretty easy to do with like modern virtual tabletops. I have Roll20 would be the one I would probably use. Um, you, could, you can get high-res scans of all those maps online. Um, I have a, there's a, uh, a forum and like a website that's still, I guess people still play the Star Wars miniatures like at conventions. Um, so they got a website. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. You guys can go and look at like, you can download um, a couple of the online resources, the rules and all that junk. But yeah, it's pretty simple game. Um, excellent introduction to skirmish games. If you are into Star Wars and want to play skirmish games, or if you've got kids and you want to play skirmish games, this is not an expensive thing to get into. Uh, they're cheap plastic minis, and people sell them all the time. So, um, yeah, thanks for the call, Joe. I just, uh, yeah, what a trip down memory lane, man. That was, uh, I wish wish I could be, like, 10 again and just play Star Wars minis all day. I was, like, inviting kids to my house who had no idea what skirmish games were or D&D &D or anything like that. And we were, I was like, oh, i got to complete this game. It'll just take, like an hour, an hour a match, you know, we'll just set it up. And I had all the, um, 
had all these like wooden blocks we would set up on the maps and like make our own like terrain and change it up in our own scenarios. Man, great time. Um, and I did have the D and D one. We had the D and D miniature like war game as well or skirmish game. Um, but I never was as much into that one as I was the Star Wars one. It just didn't grab me as much. But the same thing with that, you know, I had those great cards. Once I had those little stats, and I was, we got into third edition D&D, that's where I started. And so it tied into the third edition. So you could take those stats and port it right into a D&D game. But on the flip side, it had like the, the art on the, the card that was, you know, like, quote, high res, high res for the time. Who knows what it is now, but it was blown up a little bit for that card and you could get all the detail. And again, you know, for a kid with a graph paper notebook and a... a uh, mechanical pencil is perfect to try and, you know, draw those images into my D- my gaming notebook, right? So, uh, thanks for those calls again, Joe. Really appreciate it. Um, I'll have links to all Joe's stuff and all of the the stuff we talk about in the in the show notes there. All right, so that's it for calls. Um, we're going to move into the topics I wanted to discuss in this episode. Um, right at the start. Jason Connolly called me out on mixing up uh, Matt Jackson and Steve Jackson. So I wanted to talk about some Steve Jackson games. I've got um, the Fantasy Trip and I've got Ogre. Um, and I got those in the, like, I don't know, a few years ago. He's running a Kickstarter and I got both of them. Uh, but I've always wanted to run Melee and Wizard and I guess the Fantasy Trip as a whole as a campaign. And I've got ideas for like pseudo historical roman or um you know carl mentioned jackal's kind of setting the near east uh bronze age i think that would be an awesome um awesome setting as well and you know if we use minis it's totally a game you could use the uh what you see is what you have right because it's got a list of weapons you roll up a figure and you have to you know, based on what they're holding, you could determine their stats. Um, but yeah, it's a really simple, again, skirmish game. Um, and it's something I've been wanting to get to the table. I don't know if I'd use the full fantasy trip or maybe just start with the melee um, and introduce Wizard as the campaign goes along. But um, yeah, if you guys have run it before as a campaign, let me know. Um, I think I first heard about it through DM Dad long time ago had a podcast talking about melee and wizard and he rolled up uh some figures with his kids and they were playing the game and then i think ray just talked about it a while back on his podcast as well but um yeah it's kind of the kind of running into this little skirmish game theme we have going around the anchor sphere right now i know uh jason connelly is talking about western skirmish games i'm interested in skirmish games as well um yeah, do you guys have a favorite? Um, and I guess for me, I'm basically bound to running online for the moment. I, the local game stores around me kind of suck, if I'm honest. I'm going to try and run some D&D at one of them and see how it goes. But I've been in and out of them for a couple of times over the years. And my impression, for the most part, has not been pleasant. So um, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe it, maybe it's better than what I've pictured. But for the most part, it looks like it's people here are interested in playing like Magic the Gathering or some other kind of card games, which is fine. You know, I, I enjoy the occasional Magic the Gathering game myself, but um, 
I mostly like to cut up the cards and paste the art onto, you know, like make my own little pogs or uh, hex icons or whatever for D&D games. But um, anyway, if you guys have a favorite skirmish game, let me know. Um, and how would you run it if you had to run it online? Would you use a virtual tabletop? Would you just set up the game at home and take pictures of the 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 map as the game is progressing and send it to a chat like on Discord or Google Chat or whatever? Um, or would you guys get on like a Zoom call and you have a camera pointed at it and you play for a little bit and then you just leave it set up uh, how it is until your next session? There's a few different ways I could think of running it. So, uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, forgive me. It's, uh, again, I'm recording at night, so <laughs> got to stop doing that. I got to try and get up in the morning and record a podcast or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about, so the, I was in uh, San Antonio a few weeks ago, and I picked up at the Half Price Books there. I picked up an TSR Endless Quest book, which is like a choose-your-own-adventure style. And this is an Endless Quest book number one, Dungeon of Dread, by Rose Estes. Um, and I was thinking about running through this on the air with you guys. So I would start reading it, and when we get to a decision point, uh, you guys, the callers, would call in, and if, you know, it would just be like a vote, basically, on which decision we choose. Uh, and then we would just go through the book together that way. So I'll read the, uh, read the back cover real quick. But uh, it says, pick a path to adventure. You are Karik. Karik? Karik? C-A-R-I-C. How would you guys say that? I'm going to say Karik for now. You are Karik, a brave knight in a world where dragons roam. Can you solve the mystery of the Dungeon of Dread? The paths you may take through the dungeon are many, and the choices are yours. Only you can decide whether you and your halfling friend will find treasure or disaster. Will you fight the monsters that rush from the darkness? Will you try to trick the evil wizard who controls the dungeon? Or will you run down another corridor into unknown dangers? No matter which choices you make, Adventure and action are yours in Endless Quest books. You'll find yourself returning again and again to experience new paths of excitement. Will your choices reveal the truth about the Dungeon of Dread? Bum, bum, bum. So um, this thing is awesome. I've thumbed through it a little bit. It's got uh, an excellent cover by Larry Elmore. And all of the interior art is by Jim Holloway. Um, and this thing is awesome. Um, the, I'm going to go back to that half price books. I'll be back in San Antonio next week. So that's like the week of the uh, what was 18th. Yep. Week of the 18th. Um, so I will be back at that specific half price books. They had a ton of them on the shelf. So I'm just going to pick up a couple of more and, um, yeah, if you guys are interested, just give a call in and uh, I think the next show will start. Let's see. I'm just looking at the inside cover. When was this released? Uh, Dungeon of Dread, copyright 1982, TSR Hobbies. So, awesome. This early, early days D&D. Um, yeah, so first printing, 1982. I guess I have the 1983, the fifth printing version here. So, awesome. 
uh, yeah, let me know if you guys are interested. We'll, we'll run it through it on the air. Um, another option is I could type it out into Discord, into the audio dungeon, or take a picture of the page or whatever and send it that way if people don't want to do it over audio. But I think uh, reading it out loud would be the most fun. So um, let me know, and we'll do it next time. All right, so if you're still here, thank you for listening. Um, and if you're not still here, well, thank you for listening to what you listen to. Um, uh, this is the part of the show where we're going to dive into the um, to my health-related talk. So we're going to talk about weight loss and talk about goals and what uh, you know specific numbers and all of that. Um, so if you're not interested in that, feel free to turn off the show. That's all we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes. Um, otherwise, hang around, be a part of the discussion. Um, this is something I want to do because... A lot of us who are in this community, in the gaming community, are pretty unhealthy. And I thought it would be helpful because it's helpful for me to see other people's success at fighting um, unhealthiness. So being overweight, being unactive, having a shit diet. So um, for me, I get a lot of help seeing other people's success. So I thought I would just take some time at the end of each of my shows and kind of talk about it. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll start with the basics. So I am 30 years old. I'm 5'11", 5 feet 11 inches tall. Um, and I'm right now sitting about 286 pounds. Uh, so definitely overweight. Um, you know, not as bad as some folks, but definitely worse than a lot of folks and definitely not where I need to be. So two years ago, and a lot of that, you know, I can throw out like excuses like, oh, well, I got the COVID-20 and da, 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 you know, but I've been overweight since before COVID started. So um, I think COVID definitely impacted my ability to work out in like a commercial environment um, at a gym or whatever. But, you know, that shouldn't have stopped anything right i could have worked out at home i could have continued to be outside i could have all of that stuff um yeah so uh sitting at about 285 286 pounds right now so um and i definitely want to get down to i think i'd be most comfortable around 240 230 somewhere around there um so two years ago Three years ago, I started weightlifting. I started a program called Starting Strength, and that's written by a guy called Mark Ripito. Um, and I started working through that. And before that, I had never like lifted weights in my life. Um, so I had this uh, pretty epic transformation from um, being a, a fat, weak guy to becoming a fat, pseudo strong guy so um i did lose a bit of weight so at that time i was about that 250 pound mark um and i maintained that i gained a little bit of weight but it was because i was putting on also a lot of muscle at the time and if you're not familiar with that program that program is um, a linear training progression so what that means is every time you work out you're um, adding more weight to the bar And I say bar, so starting strength is a um, barbell program. So all of the, the exercise, well, the majority of the exercises are done with the barbell. Um, so you're going to be doing a 
a back squat. You're going to be doing a overhead press. You're going to be doing a bench press and a deadlift, all with a barbell. If you do the program, I'm not you know, not trying to tell people to do the program, but I think it's a really good program. It helped me a lot. Um, but anyway, so linear progression. So you're adding weight every time. So if you graph your progress, it's going to be like a straight line, you know, up basically. Um, every time you go, you add weight to the bar. Um, you don't ever repeat a weight unless you failed to lift that weight in the last session. So um, and there's a lot of information online about starting strength or he's got a podcast. I don't know. Marcus, he's an old kind of grouchy guy who's definitely like um set in his ways of thinking so um you're not if you if you look at starting strength you're going to see a lot of stuff mark's a bit of an ass sometimes but um as far as this program is concerned i wholeheartedly support it i did it myself um went through the linear progression the novice progression and got um real strong from it so i went from never lifting a barbell so my first session my first squat was uh 65 pounds um and I ran through my novice phase, and when I was done, um, well, I didn't even finish the novice phase um, fully, so, um, but I took my squat to 385, 385 pounds um, for three sets of five repetitions for each set, so, um, and then I did, my deadlift was like four, uh, it's just over 405, so 405 with the two, so four, 108 pounds, 407 and a half, something like that for one set of five. Um, so from, from going from never picking up a weight before to, to after, um, that was a year and a half of lifting, maybe, uh, eight months, something like that. Uh, I'm sorry, not eight months, uh, 12. Yeah. Like, I don't know, 12, Less than a year and a half. Um, I can pull out my journal to my gym bag and get the exact dates. We'll do that next time. I'll get the exact dates of how long I trained, and we'll kind of talk about the numbers there. But yeah, so anyway, I went from zero to being able to pick up over 405 pounds um, in a deadlift. And over that time, and still I, when I started, I was fat, right? Overweight, 250 pounds at 5'10". And when I finished, I was still fat but I was a lot stronger. So my body composition changed a lot from a lot of excess fat in the legs and the back and the butt to those areas becoming pretty muscular um, and a lot of change going on there. So uh, that was cool. So then COVID happened um, and the gym I was going to, the commercial gym I was going to closed down. Um, and then I found a gym uh, sort of locally that uh was that had like trainers who were doing that program so i joined that gym this was like a year into covid so like uh, 2020 around 2020 basically uh end of 2020 i found this gym and they had just opened back up when la kind of lifted its regulations or orange county lifted its regulations a little bit um so we started to wear masks and all that stuff but we could meet up and only a certain number of people could be in the gym at a time and all that but anyway so I got back on the progression, um, and then I got COVID a few months after doing that. So I had to stop again. Um, and then 
that really messed me up. From there, basically from when I got COVID last year, 2021 to now has been kind of a shit show for me. Um, and, you know, I make a lot of excuses and honestly, it's probably just laziness on my end um, about getting back into shape. So all that to say is what I hope to do with this sort of segment of the podcast is help hold myself accountable and help share whatever I'm going through um, in regards to getting back on track with losing weight and getting healthy and all of that. So um, the last thing I was doing to kind of help myself is I signed up for uh, the Gracie Baja Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program. Uh, there's, they have a bunch of gyms all over the place, and I went to the one that was close to work. Um, so after work, I would go and roll on the mat for a few hours, and then I just doing that three times a week. At first, two times a week, and then once I got a little acclimated, three times a week. So that, I lost a, a bunch of weight. I lost about 15 pounds uh, when I started doing that. That was after I got COVID. I didn't. I decided I was going to stop lifting and wanted to try something to try lose some, get some of this weight off of my body. Um, so I did jujitsu. It's very fun. It's really hard. It's challenging. It you know, hits all the things I wanted to hit with me. Right. It's you're getting a good workout. You're sweating your ass off. You're making friends. It's a fun activity. You're also learning to defend yourself a little bit. You know, there's. I'm not going to get into the martial art talk on the show. There's everyone has everything to say about jujitsu and its practicality in the real world. But anyway, um, that's not why I wasn't taking it because I was thinking I was learning how to defend myself. I was taking it because I wanted to lose some weight and it's a great exercise. So um, it also, it humbles you a bit. Um, it humbled me, right? I was fairly confident walking around at my weight being, uh, you know, going through the strength training program. I felt strong. I felt confident. And you get into jujitsu and all of that goes out the window. You know, you have, I had the, the teacher at the school or the gym was, you know, he's like a little bit shorter than me. I don't know, five, eight and waist. He's like 150 pounds and he just turned me into a pretzel. You know, there's nothing I could do against him. And a lot of that is his experience versus my experience. I mean, strength matters a little bit um, in the sport, but not a lot. So um, anyway. That's not the, the topic of this discussion, but I um, I was doing that for a little bit, um, and then we had to stop. A couple of people in the gym got COVID, and it was going around, and I decided to stop going because I didn't want to risk getting COVID again. Um, and I haven't been doing anything since, so I want to get back to jiu-jitsu. There's a gym that opened up right by my apartment, so um, I want to get back to that. I want to focus on my diet um, clean that up a little bit it's honestly it's it's not terrible it's just I have a lot of convenience foods in my diet that aren't very healthy um, and I'm not incredibly disciplined about preparing meals every day it's like cooking at home that kind of stuff I, I work a lot of hours so when I get home it's you know I want to take a shower and read a book or go to bed right Instead, I should be carving out some time uh, to cook food at home. I love cooking. We cook a lot at my house. It's just not. It's something I want to do every day um, and have a few, you know, like uh, middle of the week and then during the weekend, have some date nights and stuff like that with my wife where we go out and eat. But every other time, like I want to be cooking food for my lunches at work. I want to cook food for dinner at home. Um, 
that kind of stuff. So just want to get a little more consistent and uh, go from there. Yeah, I guess, you know, this is the first first one I'm really doing of that, of this kind of segment. So I guess what I want to know is if you're interested in participating in this conversation and you feel comfortable doing so, call in and let me know what where you're at right now, what you've been doing, what your goals are, what have you been doing to try and reach that goal? Do you, are you struggling? What, you know, what's, what's stopping you from getting there? Right. And just let's have a real honest conversation. Like, you know, for me, it's like, there's nothing stopping me right now from, from achieving this goal or, or starting to achieve this goal. It's, um, I've got a shitty mindset and I'm making a lot of excuses, right? Like, Oh, I'm tired. I have to work. Well, that's no excuse. Like there's a lot of people who work a lot harder than me, a lot more difficult jobs, longer hours, and they still get after it. Right. So, um, yeah, I guess, uh, just let me know. Let's, let's have a conversation about it. Let's, um, hold each other accountable. Let's celebrate each other when we have these successes. And, uh, that's, you know, one thing that I like about our community is everyone is willing to talk. So, Let's talk. Give me a call. Well, folks, thanks for listening. You can find me on Discord and MeWe. Music on this show is by Lobo Loco. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, 